to the Banded About podcast series. Today's guest began playing drums at the age of three, adding to an already large family of drummers, three generations to be exact. His first introduction to the instrument was from his father, Steve, who was a full-time freelance musician at the time. And he initially planned to follow in his father's footsteps until discovering something quite different that would take him on a completely different musical journey. Of course, I'm talking about the one and only Ben Todd. Welcome, Ben. Thank you for taking time out from your busy schedule to chat with me today. (laughs) Thank you very much for having me. It's great to talk to you. It's my pleasure, honestly. Okay, Ben, let's start from the beginning. You were born in at in Adelaide into a family of very renowned drummers. So I guess there was never a doubt that you too would continue with this tradition. <laughs> yeah, I I guess it was kind of a, it was written in the in the stars a little bit, I yeah. guess, um, as they say. But um yeah, no, I uh I was yeah surrounded by music and um yeah, dad taking me to rehearsals and gigs and um, recording sessions uh, from a very very young age. So um, yeah, it was kind of it was a it was a a field that I was definitely pulled towards uh, at a at a young age. And just you know, like dad's you know social network of friends were musicians, so it wasn't just. Um, uh, like going to work with him. It was also when people would come around for, for dinner or whatever, it'd be musicians. So they'd be talking about music and gigs. So yeah, it was kind of, it was all there um, right in front of me. So yeah, it was just something that was honestly very natural to, to go into. And I never felt, you know, pressure to, you know, uphold any kind of um, family like tradition or anything like that. It was something that I genuinely uh, fell in love with and just wanted to, yeah, be a part of in any way possible. So, yeah, it was um, something that, yeah, Dad kind of introduced me to some basic, you know, drumming foundational things at a young age, but um, he was very good at uh, getting me with another drum teacher. Um, when I started getting serious about it, he didn't want to kind of um, mesh the two uh, worlds of being a dad and also being a, a, a drum teacher into one. Um, he, he got, uh, you know, some, some great teachers to take me under their wing and, and kind of show me the, the building blocks of drumming and music, I suppose. And then it kind of, it went from there. So yeah, it was a great, great introduction. I feel very lucky to have, have had that, um, from such a young age. Mm, no, it's wonderful. So before reaching high school, you had already toured nationally with various bands. What was it like touring at such a young age? Uh, it was it was great. I mean, I, I don't think I realised uh, kind of just how fortunate I was to be able to do that, um, playing in ensembles. I mean, th- these were like bands for that were doing like uh, band competitions or, you know, if I would go with Dad on a little tour that he did, I might sit in um, – and play a few songs. And so I guess, yeah, again, just being exposed to uh, what it's like to tour as a musician and the realities of that um, at a young age, it was kind of something that, yeah, again, I didn't, I didn't appreciate and I didn't really realize um, just that kind of what that exposure allowed me to do in terms of like 
seeing my career path, I guess, um, unfold mm. uh, and and know what the realities of being a full-time kind of touring musician might look like. So it was because it was it was something that I uh, got to do before getting into high school. It kind of just felt more normal when it actually did become um, an option for me and a reality for, for me to tour on my own uh, later on in mm. life. So, uh, yeah, but no, it was, it was great. It you got to, you know, travel and, and play music and, you know, in the daytime I'd go and play, you know, on the playground or whatever, and then we'd go to a gig or, you know, rehearsal. And yeah, it was kind of, it, it felt, felt great to be able to, to do that. And again, there was no, no like, yeah, pressure or anything to, to do it, uh, you know, just cause I was around it, you know, from, from that age. So yeah. But very, very lucky. Mm, mm. Mm. So, what was the first band that you joined for a long, long period of time? Um, I guess the first, uh, the first like professional band that I was in uh, was a band called Goose. Mm. Um, yeah, and I that was definitely a band that um, kind of I, I got involved with just. Um, by going to rehearsals and gigs with dad because he was a percussionist in the band and then I would go with him a bunch to gigs and I would sit in sometimes and then uh, eventually, um, yeah, it got to a point where uh, they asked me to actually join the band as a second percussionist and uh, and that was great. That was such a fun band. Um, they, yeah, it didn't, it wasn't like we were gigging like every week or anything. It might be, you know, one gig every couple of months or something like that but you know joining that band that um that that gave me the opportunity to again do some more touring to um sydney and melbourne and other parts of australia and got to play on some like you know breakfast tv shows and some bigger stages um which uh, interstate which i hadn't got to do before so yeah that was a, a great experience but unfortunately that band doesn't really play much anymore which is a real shame but um, just because everyone's kind of spread out across the country now mm-hmm. and not based in Adelaide anymore. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I guess that was the first kind of pro pro band that I was in. And then, um, yeah, after high school, um, uh, I joined uh, a few other bands. I was fortunate uh, enough that, uh, yeah, after high school, my drum teacher all through school, John McDermott, um, moved uh, away. He moved up to Brisbane and, essentially said to me um do you want all of my gigs and all of my teaching and I was like wow yes of course I I mean I felt incredibly lucky to be handed that um kind of opportunity uh from him it was an incredible break and I owe a lot to him for that well that's great Um, because that would have meant that you wouldn't have had to have left school and then had a normal job no exactly yeah 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 it's true I can't I, I have been lucky in that sense that um it's uh, yeah I've always just been playing and and uh yeah so thankful to, to John for for kind of yeah getting me into bands like Lucifer's Lounge which was just such a fun band and we used to play so much um uh like you know at pubs around town and weddings you know interstate kind of um gigs and yeah it was that was so so great that was that was the first band I suppose where I was playing a lot and um yeah we got to do a lot of stuff and and that was yeah a lot of fun excellent 
Mm. Now, many children dream of running away from home to join a circus. <laughs> yes. And you saw your yeah. first Cirque du Soleil show when you were around about 10 or 11. Yeah. Which was a real game changer in terms of where you were going to go musically. What was it about the show that made you want to be a part of it? Uh, I think, like, the the environment that you kind of step into when you go and see a Cirque du Soleil show is, is not really like anything else. Um, you kind of walk into this tent and then you're in, like, this totally other world, you know? Like, it's just it's uh, all of these elements are coming together, um, like incredible sound design and lighting design. And then there's like superhuman acrobatic kind of <laughs> tricks and this killer music. And it was just the first time I was like, I saw something on stage and was just like, what is this? What's going on? I don't, I don't really, really understand it, but like I see there's a band and they're playing awesome music and I don't know, I want to be a part of it. Um, and I guess later on I realised that what I liked about it was the fact that, like, the music was part of something uh, bigger, you know, than just, a uh, like, a band performance. Mm. Like, uh, of course, like, I love playing in bands and going to see bands and appreciate all of that, but the the fact that these guys were, like, adding to something that was, like, you know, all-encompassing and kind of emotionally, like, quite overwhelming to witness for me like at that young age and um yeah that's a feeling that's kind of always stuck with me and definitely what made me want to get into playing with Cirque and um and kind of following that uh you know career path so um yeah I still you know when we were when I was with them I still you know thought about that a lot and tried to always remember like there'd be kids you know my age watching the show at that time feeling the same things that I felt and, you know, to be a part of that now, well, when the show was going, of course, um, to be a part of that and be able to offer that to someone else was like something I really didn't take for granted and, um, yeah, felt very lucky to to be able to do that. Well, that's right because it took a few years um, until you actually got accepted into the Cirque. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I, I guess I sent my first audition tape when I was like 15. Mm or 16 and um there was a show that came up right at that time that um that uh I could uh could have gone and done um yeah it didn't work out for a few different reasons but um in hindsight it was probably a good thing because I you know would have had to leave school uh, high school early and um yeah it would have changed a lot for me um just after uh, doing the things that I did after school but um yeah, I, I guess I got my first contract when I was 19. So, yeah, was that three or four years uh, in between sending my first tape? And, yeah, that in, in between that time, it was a lot of, uh, a lot of um, kind of hounding them, I guess. <laughs> like, you know, I, I would, you know, up, you know send or dish, like re-upload my audition tapes, you know, every six months or so just with, you know, new material, new things I was playing, new bands I was playing in, Um just yeah trying to like remind them that I was still very interested and keen and and kind of like just showing versatility as well which uh, again later I found out was a was definitely something that helped in me getting getting the job so oh, for sure um, it would have yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Mm -hmm. So you were 19 when you got your first contract with the show? Yeah. Yep. I was. So um, the first tour was in Japan um, and with a show called Corteo and we were in Japan for a year, I think. And then we went to Russia for six months. And then after that, I joined another show, um, another Cirque show called Kusa and went back to Japan for three years and then uh, Russia again and then uh, Europe and the US. And, yeah, I was with that show for quite a long time. Um, and then, yeah, I guess, what was that? Yeah, I, I did it for about five and a half years mm-hmm. and then took uh, took a sabbatical. So I took a one-year break from the company. But basically I, it meant that I could yeah, take a break, come home, do some other stuff, and then go back to the show again. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, and in that time, I came home and just started freelancing again, which was great um, to do, you know, to, to play some different music and be in different environments and just be home, <laughs> you know, yeah. with family and friends. And and um, and right before I was supposed to go back to the show, I got um, an opportunity to do a musical theatre tour in Australia and New Zealand uh, of, of Cats. So. Um, yeah, it worked out, you know, it ma- it just made more sense at that time for me to to take that gig, which was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you've done a few that was the first musical theatre shows since then as well, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have, like, mostly just in Adelaide, mm-hmm. like, they come through Adelaide, but um, that was the first, uh, like, complete tour of a show that I did, which was, yeah, it was a lot of fun and, you know, being a part of, Kind of similar to Cirque, being a part of a show where you're you get to travel, you know, with with people and and get to know the show very very well and really like hone in on the details of your performance. Um, that's something that yeah I really enjoy doing. Um, and so yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, something very different. But um, yeah, when that show finished up, I kind of was thinking, what's next? I'm not really sure what I'm going to do, and then. Uh, I was fortunate that another show opened up with Cirque, so I pretty much went straight from the end of Cats tour to um, to back to Cirque and um, and started with a, a brand new show, which was an amazing experience. Getting to work on something uh, from from day one, you know, getting to be involved in the the the, the creation of the music and seeing the elements of the show all come together and you know, acts coming in and out and, and really building it from, from the ground up. And, um, and then, yeah, I was with that show uh, all the way up until March last year mm. when things uh, started to get a little bit uh, crazy. So, yes, yeah, it's kind of been the journey so far. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so do you have a memorable gig story, good or bad, that you'd like to share with us? Mm, goodness. Um, I think... I think my one of like the highlights uh, that I can recall is probably um, with, the, with I was with the, a Cirque show called Kuza and we got to play in London. And when Cirque shows go to London, they don't actually play in the big top; they play in uh, Royal Albert Hall. Lovely. Mm. So yeah, getting to getting to premiere the show in in Royal Albert Hall was pretty special. Um, uh, yeah, that's just such an iconic venue, and 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 yeah, every day going to work. I think we were there for about six or seven weeks, 
yeah, doing that for, for that time was just incredible. And I was fortunate that my family came over to visit and see the show there. And, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty special. Oh, that's special. great that they were um, able to come over. And, yeah. 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 They've been, they've been great all through the, the Cirque kind of <laughs> journey, uh, get coming and visiting and, and yeah, seeing different parts of the world that we, we've, we went to. So yeah, that was, that's probably like, yeah, probably one of my highlights, I suppose. Um, yeah, so there's some interesting gig stories. I don't know <laughs> for, for, uh, for for other reasons like playing in pubs and clubs you know late night you see a lot of a lot of things but <laughs> <laughs> probably not appropriate to talk about oh no Look, <laughs> on a <laughs> oh yeah oh gosh um yeah I, I don't know I can't recall I don't know it's just like I think coming back after doing Cirque for so long and just playing with playing music with mm. friends um and you know, the circ environment is pretty strange in a sense, like you're generally quite isolated from other musicians, like physically yeah. on stage, you're kind of in your own little box or, you know, spread out. Um, you're all wearing in-ear monitors and the audience is very far away and all that kind of stuff. So getting to come home and actually just play on, you know, a little stage in the corner of a bar with your friends, um, it's been, yeah, it's a whole different thing, but it's been so great to be able to do that again. Mm. So, yeah, I'm enjoying that a lot. Excellent. <laughs> now, Ben, mm. you also write music and you've released a few albums of your own. What's been your favourite mm. of those so far? Mm. Um, I, I am I'm very proud of the last album that just came out Um at the end of last year, Memento, that was, um, uh, a long time, uh, of, yeah, the, the writing process took a long time and the recording process took a long time and not, not for any particular reason, just because, but just because I, I would work on it for a little bit and then kind of get sidetracked with another project and then come back to it. And then yeah, I wasn't really sure what direction the album in general was going to go in, if it was going to be more of a a big band album or a acoustic thing, or if I wanted to do it all, you know, record it all in the same room with musicians, or I wanted to feature, you know, uh, different musicians from different parts of the world and kind of piece it together in that way. Um, so yeah, it took, took a lot of back and forth, but um, in the end, yeah, I decided to kind of layer up all of the, the tracks um, and ask, you know, different musicians that I'd met and played with over the, um, the course of the, the years I was touring, um, to play on it. So yeah, each, each track kind of is a different lineup of musicians, but there's people from all over the world who recorded their parts, um, literally in <laughs> all over the world. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with how that kind of all came together. Um, even though it did take a long time, it's, um, it's something that, yeah, like musically it's probably, it showcases, yeah, what I, what I can do at this point in my playing career and writing, um, uh, development, I suppose it's kind of, it, I think it's a really good kind of bookmark of, of where I'm at. And, um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, that's probably the one that, the one that is, that's released so far that I'm the most proud of, but, um, yeah, I just, recorded an album for ABC jazz a few mm. weeks ago um, with 
some guys with uh, some guys I play with quite a bit now, which is great. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to that coming out. Uh, hopefully, in the next couple of months. Excellent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, COVID has had a tremendous impact on the music industry. Ben, how creative have hmm. you had to become to be able to continue working and recording new material? Mm. Um, it's. It, I mean, yeah, like everyone has, it's been tough uh, to just maintain uh, a living yeah. <laughs> of some description. Um, for me, I set up an online recording business maybe six or seven years ago, um, which I called online session drumtracks.com. And basically, it's just a service where people can send me tracks to record drums to so i do a lot of stuff for like singer songwriters who have recorded uh you know acoustic guitar and their vocal but then they want to build it up you know into like a more full band track so um yeah they send me a track and i uh, have my studio here and i record drums for them and send it back off to them and then they kind of do with it what they want um so yeah that i i ended up actually doing a lot of that right when we first came home and things shut Mm. down and I think it was because people like other people who were working on their musical projects finally had some time to complete them. And, you know, some people who um, I have done stuff for aren't, you know, full-time musicians. So it's, they were kind of, you know, hobby Mm. projects and they had income from other places. So they had this extra money that they, you know, are not spending on holidays or anything. So um, yeah. So I actually ended up doing quite a bit of work for, for them, uh, for, for those kind of projects. So that was great, you know, getting to work from home, uh, and, uh, and still be playing music and still have a little bit of a, an income, which well, I, I felt lucky for that, but yeah, it, it is something that I luckily had set up, you know, quite a few years ago. So I did have some, some following and I had some contacts that I could reach out to and kind of say, Hey, you know, I'm home yeah. now. <laughs> if you have any tracks you want me to do and yeah, a few people, yeah, of course. So, um, so yeah, that was kind of the majority of work I did. Um, I did a little bit of online teaching, you know, the the, the Zoom, Zoom yeah. kind of yeah uh, chats with um, with people, which was you know kind of a just became the norm for music educators for a while. So yeah, that was good. But you know, obviously being in South Australia, where we can actually play gigs now, it's just incredible. We are very lucky. You know, we <laughs> yeah. Compared to like well, London, a lot I mean, of friends in the US for like over what nearly a year now, so wow. yeah, exactly, yeah, 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 and and yeah, I have some friends in Vegas who, you know, that's like usually got the most amount of you know one of the cities has got one of the most amount of sort of like live mm. music and opportunities to play in shows, and there's just nothing there, which is so sad, um, and. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we feel very lucky to be able to just play a gig, you know, whatever it might yeah, be at the moment. definitely. <laughs> mm. Mm. Ben, is there a band that you wish that you had played with or one that you said no to that after you went, oh, gee, you, you know, felt, oh, shit, maybe I should have done that? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. I There, there have been a few shows that have come through and that I've had to turn down uh just because of calendar clashes you know like it's a tricky thing being a freelance Mm. musician because you've got to 
you work with your own schedule and, you know, if someone books you for a gig six months in advance and then you get an offer to do, you know, four weeks worth of work in a show or something and you have a clash, you know, with that date, you know, what do you do yeah. kind of thing, you know, like it's, it's, it's real tricky to kind of balance that stuff. So um, I guess there's been, yeah, like that's probably been the thing um, that, that I've, you know, struggled with a lot. And I think yeah, a lot of freelance musicians would understand that. Um, but uh, I'm not sure. I think like uh, the, the first opportunity I had, I, I think I mentioned before to tour with Cirque, yeah, it was when I was 15. And at the time when I didn't get that gig, I was just so devastated. Like it was borderline, you know, I'm just going to give up playing yeah. kind of thing. Cause it was, I felt like I was so ready and, it was my dream gig and I was young and like, I just wanted to do it. And then when it didn't happen, yeah, I was, I was pretty crushed. So, but again, like in hindsight, I'm very glad it didn't happen because it would have changed so yeah. much <laughs> of the rest of my, my playing. Yeah. How do yeah. you prepare yourself mentally before a show? Um, I do a lot of prep. I guess I really don't like to be um, like just faking it, you know, flailing through uh, a show. Like if you're talking about like a free mm. a freelancer kind of um, like a, I don't know, like a corporate gig where, you know, you've got like a rehearsal in the afternoon and then a gig that night and then that's it. Um, yeah, I try and do as much prep as possible. So that's generally like, yeah, checking out old recordings and playing along to them Um if there's sheet music available beforehand, I try and get my hands on that and just spend as much time practicing as I can. So when we get to a rehearsal, it doesn't feel like it's the first time we've played it. Um, and some guys like don't yeah. do that at all. They prefer just to go and, and play the music the first time in rehearsal. And, and that's great if they can do that. But for me, like mentally, I just, I, I stress too much <laughs> about it. So I want to be as prepared, prepared as possible. Um, but for a Cirque show, it's because it, it is like the same show essentially every day. You do have to, um, you know, it's a different kind of like preparation and focus. It's more like just being, I don't know, being calm and not getting in your own head about, you know, like if you didn't play something exactly how you wanted to play it, you know, like because you get to a level when you play that music over and over again where you just, can become so yeah. analytical of yeah. yourself and that can be dangerous because you'll do something that you aren't quite happy with and then for the rest of the show you'll be thinking about that one thing and then in the meantime you've screwed up you know seven or eight <laughs> other things so yeah it's 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 just it's that's probably more of a mental preparation um kind of thing just being calm and, and focused and and um yeah it taught me a lot about that side of musical performance like the mental kind of um calmness that's required which uh, yeah before doing Cirque I really didn't think about mm -hmm. at all mm -hmm. you know like it just so you you play your instrument that's it but there's this whole other side to it which um yeah you only really get to understand after you do something like that for such mm -hmm. a long time so yeah it's it's been a been very interesting to learn more about the whole yeah, mental side of, of musical mm. performance. Now, mm. I imagine that it would be mm. impossible to get bored when playing with Cirque as you're, you're reacting to live 
action on the stage. Has there been a time that the performers mm. have caught you off guard? Yeah, it's it it yeah it, it happened. It did happen for sure. It's more when uh, what's an example? Like when things compound. So maybe something something happens on stage and you react to it. So you go to like you know we have these vamp sections where if something goes wrong on stage, we go to a vamp section and we kind of play that for a while. It's when something like that happens and then something else happens, yeah. you know, that you're, that you're not ready for. Um, that's, that's kind of when things start to get a little bit interesting. Um, so again, it's, it, it's not like, it, yeah, a, a lot of people think that, you know, Cirque is the same music and the same show, which it essentially is. But the things, as you mentioned, that keep it interesting are the fact that anything mm. can happen on stage at any point. Like they're acrobats, they're not robots. Right. So if they need like an extra 10 seconds to prepare themselves for a trick or if a piece of equipment gets stuck and we have to play a little bit longer or something happens backstage and we have to cut an entire act mm. out of the show, you know, with, 30 mm-hmm. seconds notice then we have to be, be ready ball, for all those you? kind of scenarios <laughs> yeah definitely and that was that was the really fun thing about it because from an audience perspective you they don't know any of that and they shouldn't That's know right. you know they just want to come and see a good show things are going wrong and you've had yeah. to change the show <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we 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 that's our job in those moments is to make it seem like everything's fine and <laughs> nothing's going wrong and we're all it's all part of the show kind of thing, but um yeah, again that's what that's what makes it fun for us. But yeah, no, it certainly has happened. We we try to minimize that as much as possible with rehearsing, you know, okay, let's say this happens in the show and then this happens, you know, just coming up with different scenarios and trying to pre-plan so as much as, as, much you as can, we can yeah. um but yeah there's always going to be something with Cirque and any kind of theater show that is um kind of a set thing um that was always something that you know you had yeah. to be conscious of um was it not yeah. becoming stale and it not becoming routine because as soon as that happens it's um yeah again like the audience feel that so if they feel low in energy then you're going to feel lower in energy and it's just going to continue to spiral mm. downwards. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it was uh, very interesting to, to kind of see, observe those things and, and work yeah, on them as well. Yeah. Now, you toured mm. quite mm. a lot with Cirque. What's it, being, what's it like being on the road in that sort of a environment? It's, I mean, Cirque was such a great company to work for uh, in terms of how they took care of you. Um, yeah. Like a lot of people ask me like, so do you like sleep in a caravan, like uh, in the tent and stuff? I was like, no, not at all. Like it's so, yeah, no, it's great. Like they give, you know, the, like the accommodation, it's all hotels or apartments and, you know, they, they get you to and from work. Um, they, you know, fly you from city to city Um, They have a kitchen on site, which, you know, you can get food whenever you want. I mean, you really didn't have to pay to do anything and you were, you know, touring the world and playing music. So it was literally, it is a dream job. Um, It sounds So I was very lucky to do it. Yeah. But I mean, the, the, with all the perks of the job, there are the, um, you know, the things that 
were tough about it too, which a lot of people don't understand. And like I said before, it's like you're away from home, you're away from family and friends. And um, we got home maybe twice a year, three times a year. So, um, and even then it would only be for a week at a time. So you're trying to catch up with family and and friends in, in a week. And, and that was really hard, you know, to have like a genuine, you know, conversation that's not just surface level you know catch up how's it going yeah good good okay see you in another six months you know like that was really hard and just um you know seeing another person's birthday come through another person getting married another person's had a baby and you're away from all that um you know some days just sitting in your hotel room waiting for the show you know that's that's the you know that's the real tough stuff you know some people in the tour would say i don't get paid to play the show i get paid to sit around you know that's that's the real hard work is that it's they're just like you know doing the those days where you're just kind of hanging out um the show is great it's fun you know but um but yeah no in terms of like touring it was great because we would generally spend like six to eight weeks Mm. in a city it wasn't like we were there just for a couple of nights rushed in and out so um, and we'd always have one day off a week. And then, as I said, during the day, it was the kind of, the time was kind of yours to do what you wanted. So yeah, by the time you're, you're six or to eight weeks comes up, you really feel like you've lived yeah. in a city and you, you know, get to get your favorite coffee shop and supermarket and restaurants and whatever, and get to know the music scene a little bit and maybe make some friends and go and play somewhere perhaps. So, um, yeah, that was a really, really cool thing about it. Um, and then if you're in a city you didn't like so much, you're like, oh, well, I'm only here for six weeks and yeah, then we'll go yeah. somewhere else. So <laughs> that was that was cool right. too, yeah. If you could mm. offer one tip to a drummer who was about to go on their very first tour, what would it be? Uh, I would say, gosh, that's a tricky question. There are a lot of things. Uh I would say just try and stay like try and stay relaxed and like clear headed um, when you're away uh, for long periods of time, like you can get uptight and anxious about a lot of stuff, whether it's like playing like musically or whether it's about the fact you're away from home um, and all of that stuff can affect your performance. And ultimately if you're on a tour, you're going to be, being paid by someone to yeah. perform like that's what you're there for. So you got to take, you got to take good care of yourself um, and, uh, and do whatever it is that, um, that allows you to, to do that and be in the best state possible to play. Um, yeah. I see a lot of guys burn out on tour who are younger and kind of come at it like all guns blazing and partying every night and, you know, not taking care of their bodies and not, practicing enough when they're away and yeah it's just like they burn out mm. so quick so yeah like the Cirque tours they go for literally yeah. years so it's 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 a marathon not a sprint in that sense um but yeah I guess another huge thing that we um that we found super important to do when we're on tour is just um communicate with Mm. people back home you know like keep in touch with people because again some people go on tour and they kind of just forget about their life 
you know, at home, which is fine. And some people want that lifestyle, you know, of just existing on the road and being a bit of a gypsy. But for us, um, because we were really conscious to make, um, make sure we didn't lose any connections with our family and friends back home when, you know, COVID happened and, and we were, we came back home, we weren't like stepping back into a world of like, Oh, who, who are you again? Like, yeah. who are our friends? What, what's, you know, like we, it was kind of quite smooth. Whereas I know a lot of our friends or some, some of our friends on tour who were all of a sudden had to live back at home again. were like, oh, I don't, I don't like this. I feel you know <laughs> out of place. I, this feels weird. So, um, yeah, that was that was something that I'd I'd say is kind of very important too. If you're going on tour for any extended period of time, you got to keep the communication, especially if you're in a relationship yeah. with someone. That's yeah. <laughs> that's uh, yeah. super important. Yeah, but now, people yeah. can hear a baby at the moment, I'm sure, and they'll be wondering whether it's my <laughs> brand new grandson or not. But it's not. It's your daughter. <laughs> um, it is. Be following oh, in your footsteps. <laughs> Oh gosh, I don't know. That uh, those kind of th- thoughts are so crazy to me. Still, like, firstly, mm. have a little girl, and secondly, that she could, you know, get into music, and we could play, you know, mm. in a band or something. Like, it's it's been Im- amazing in so many ways to to have a, a baby, but it makes me realize how um, crazy it must have been for dad for me to like join a yeah. band with him, you know, <laughs> like into perspective he, for you, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I look at this little girl who's asleep, luckily on my lap right now, um, and think maybe one day we'll like tour somewhere and play in a band together. Like that's just like not really fathomable at the moment, <laughs> but <laughs> um, it's, it's incredible. It's really is. But well, yeah. Congratulations. It's a special time. Becoming a father. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's, it's yeah, again, it's kind of one of those things that has been good about COVID in a sense that we are mm. home, you know, with, with family and we get to share the first, you know, stages of life of our little girl with them and have their support. I know, because it's you're going to have to like, tour with in, her invaluable. eventually, right? <laughs> well, that's it. If the show comes back and and we decide we want to go back, um, then yeah, we could could be heading out with her. But um, that's all to be yeah figured out yeah. later on. I think, <laughs> and who knows when it's that will true. be. Yeah, I think it's still you know <laughs> mm. a bit off. Um, you know, as far as yeah. international travel goes, safely. <laughs> mm. Exactly. So who knows when exactly. it's going to yeah, be back yeah. to normal again? Mm. Mm, mm, yeah. mm, mm. Who are your yeah. top? three local drummers? Mm. Gosh, that mm. is a tricky question. I think uh, I mean, i got to say yes. my dad, <laughs> first and foremost, again. like <laughs> goes without saying. <laughs> um, no, <laughs> no. I mean, he has such a you know huge mm. impact on my life uh, musically, uh, as well as obviously yes. as a person. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. Uh, God, I don't know. I I guess there's a lot of great mm-hmm. guys here. You know, um, uh, I mean, he's been living overseas for a while now. But mm. Angus Mason uh, is back in Adelaide now. He's just he is, so yes. great. Um, yeah. 
yeah, it's bizarre. I used to teach him uh, at uni uh, for a little while, and now when I see him play, I'm like, I need lessons <laughs> with you, mate. Like, <laughs> you have gone somewhere else. You but know? he's so, the, yeah, um, I, um, the singer's drummer. Uh-huh. Yes, that's true. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, who else? Uh, Brad, oh, mm-hmm. like Brad Plain is awesome. He's yeah, it's just so solid. Um, and yeah, he's he's great. Um, who else? Because you've done oh, some work with the uh, Hindley Street Country Club as well, haven't you? And your dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And dad, yeah. So dad's a bit of a. Dad's, dad's one of the founding mm. dudes, I suppose, um, been with it from the beginning. But, yeah, generally it's between myself and Mario Marino and Brad. Um, but Brad's been there, like, yeah, again, since day one and he's it's his gig. So I'm lucky to, you know, sit in when I can and, and play with those guys. It's a lot, mm. of, a lot of fun. Um, but, yeah, it's one of those things, like, again, coming home and you – after being away, you really appreciate or reappreciate just how um, much talent there is we in your hometown. So you know, like yeah, yeah, like yeah. You, you I, I, it's kind of like Adelaide in general as well. Like going to all the places that we've been lucky enough to go to. You come home, it's like Adelaide's actually a really uh-huh. cool place to live. Like a lot of people get you know, bag it, but it's great. And again, like with musicians you know, seen some incredible musicians play in different parts of the world and you come home and you go and see a gig here. It's like, these guys are world-class, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's no like two ways about that. It's just that they live in Adelaide. I don't think a lot of people realise when they go to a gig that they may, there may actually be one or two musicians in that particular band who have toured internationally. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. And, and especially with, you know, online social media mm. stuff and YouTube, you know, you can see play people from all, you know, mm. anywhere in the world play. And that's where a lot of, um, you know, people are getting success from mm-hmm. smaller towns. Like the Highly oh, Street huge. thing is incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, like, it's it's just an Adelaide band who's put out some videos. Of and cover songs. It's really good. So that. people like it. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. It, it goes to show like that if it, there are just yeah some great players here. So yeah, it's great to be um to 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 kind of try and get back into playing with yeah. some of those guys yeah. again. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Ben, I'm going to give you a scenario now. If you could mm-hmm. invite any musician, living or dead, to play a concert mm. with you anywhere in the world. You're on the kit. Mm. Who would you call? Mm. Where would it be held? <laughs> and what genre right. would you, you be performing? Gosh, that is – that's mm. a lot to think about. Um, <laughs> great question. Um, wow. I I don't know. I Michelle Camillo had such a huge impact on – my playing um so i just played with his recording so much um as a kind of high schooler and still now like when i listen to his stuff it's like you just the energy and fire he has 
I think like if I got to play with him, that would be mm. incredible. Um, and yeah, mm-hmm. play like his music. It's just, yeah. And I guess location, man. I mean, to, if I could play like, you know, at the Albert Hall again, that would be mm-hmm. incredible. <laughs> and, yeah. Cause yeah, after doing it, you know, you kind of want to do it oh, again. So I, I suppose that. like to, to go and yeah. do it. Yeah. 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 To do, do it again. Yeah. Yeah. I want to play with Michelle Camilla at Royal Albert Hall. Awesome. Yeah. That's a, that's my, that's a dream. Okay. Gig, yeah. Let's see what you can do there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ben, is there something that you've, really tried to play that you couldn't get quite right or you weren't satisfied with the way that you played it? Mm. I think that, like, to really pull off, I don't know, to really pull off the, like, uh, contemporary jazz kind of way of playing, you've got to, like, live and breathe it. And I really love that. Mm that music and and that way of playing but like because I don't do it all the time uh when I'm in a situation where I have to do it it's a it is challenging for me so yeah it's something that I practice a lot and listen to a lot um but yeah it's not I kind of you know the gigs I do it's really like bouncing back and forth between yeah rock stuff and funk stuff and some like small group jazz and some Latino stuff. Like it's kind of all over the place, but when you hear a really, really good jazz drummer play contemporary jazz drummer play, it's like, you can just tell that that's just what they do like all the time. And it's so great. Um, I guess, you know, that's kind of true with any music, but um, for me, like developmentally as a musician and something I have always wanted to do, it's just be oh. versatile, um, and that was something that that Dad kind of instilled at me in me from a young age in terms of like the realities of being a professional full time musician is that if you want to make money and have a career playing music, like you you really should be mm. versatile as a musician. So um, yeah, that's what I wanted to do, and I love it. I love that variety and challenging myself in doing that, but. Um, yeah, there are those opportunities, those situations where it's like, wow, that guy's really good at yeah. playing jazz drums. <laughs> and I wish I was that good, but I just don't like, I just, yeah, to dedicate the amount of time and energy and focus into just getting really good at that one thing is just something I can't do now that I kind of, I guess, have somewhat of a career of doing mm. like a bunch of different stuff. And, yeah, I genuinely love it. So if I had another lifetime, I'd probably want to get really yeah. good at Yeah. Hey, look, that. you're not the first one to, to name <laughs> yeah. jazz as the thing that's, you know, being the tricky the tricky yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I play it to a certain extent and um, and I, I try and do my best with it. But um, I guess it's just that difference of, like, someone, you know, trying to do it and execute it and someone who, who just – it's yeah. just supernatural and flows, you know, like it's, there's, there is a real difference. So yeah, I don't like claim to be a jazz drummer by any means, but I do really enjoy playing it and it's something that um, I'm always trying yeah. to get better yeah, fair at. Enough, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ben, yeah. You have many endorsements. Would you like to tell us a bit more about them? 
Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I was lucky enough to be um, endorsed with Pearl and Zildjian and Remo and Vic Firth when I was about 15, wow. I suppose. Um, the, the local rep for those companies, yeah, came to Adelaide and saw me play at John mm-hmm. Reynolds yeah, and Music we, City I John <laughs> back when that was a thing. Uh, one was a couple of weeks ago, yeah. Oh, yeah. cool. You'll have to have a listen to that. Great, it does yeah. You, but he can't recall your name. <laughs> oh, right. That's funny. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I, I was met that guy then and then um, – uh, I they asked me to do a few clinics like in Adelaide and then I did a little regional tour um, to Mount Gambier and places like that, um, which was great. But yeah, I've been with them for since like, for, what is that, like yeah. 16 years now, I suppose. So they've just been so great. Um, but yeah, the thing about endorsements is a lot of people just think it's free equipment, but it's really not. Like it's for me, the reality that the, the, the the advantage of having an endorsement really came to light when I was touring because we'd be in these cities and I didn't know like mm. the local music store or where to get, you know, replacement mm. heads or sticks, but cause they had that contact with the company directly, they would just send it direct. So that's when it's like, okay, it really, it's great to have, you know, some kind of mm. affiliation with a company. Um, but you know it goes both ways. Like you have to work for it too. It's got to it's got to work for the company as well. It can't just be like, great, I've got an endorsement. Give me <laughs> free stuff. You know, it's got especially now. Like you know, those companies they're big corporations, so they want to see some some value in you know, sponsoring you. So you've got to be on the social media thing. You've got to be doing yeah. interesting gigs, and you've got to be promoting the companies. And you know, it's it's yeah. it's a it's a thing that you got to do so um yeah but no they're great i can't say a bad word about those those companies i've just always reliable and and um yeah fortunate to be involved with them for a long time i suppose Mm. 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 apart from your own band how many other bands or projects are you currently involved with on a regular basis at the moment Mm. on a regular basis um, I think uh, it's hard to say at the moment. It's tricky because mm. like fringe time is coming up. So at, I'm kind of like just about to start a, uh, a few, few different shows, which is going to be a real crazy time, but I'm very fortunate and grateful to do that. But yeah, I'm doing, um, uh, the, Gospo Jackson vs. Jackson show at Gluttony um, and do another show with Libby O'Donovan and Becky Cole. Um, and then I'll be doing a gig with Chris Sebastian. Um, then uh, what else is coming up after that? They're just like, yeah, the local kind of corporate bands that I play with and one-off um, mm. uh, events here and there. You know, weddings are a thing now, which is great. <laughs> so, you know, that, that's that's definitely, you know, being a freelance musician, that's where, where a decent amount of your mm. kind of income comes from. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's a really nice variety. And I get, like I said, being fringe time, um, there's a lot of stuff going on. And I feel feel really grateful that I get to, to yeah. play in a variety of things. So, 
it's going to be good. And good your um, <laughs> your own band mm. has been doing really well on a Sunday evening in, in at the mm. Gov Front Bar. Yeah, yeah, we've been like super happy with the turnout um, that uh, that we've been getting. Um, yeah, and it's just, I mean, playing with those guys is so great. They're just so good and. Um, I, I'm just kind of along for the ride <laughs> a lot of times. Like, uh, it, yeah, the, the, the music is fun. The people enjoy it. The venue is happy. So, oh, yeah, well, clearly. Yeah, I, mean, I really couldn't like, ask for much more. People so. have to wait to get in. Yeah. <laughs> mm, mm, yeah. It's crazy. It's so crazy. Know, it's good it's crazy, so cra- right? Yeah. For, it's good crazy, yeah. But, like, to have a regular, you know, uh, jazz funk gig where you get to play original songs and have guests come up and uh, you know like it's it's great so um i i really hope it continues for a long time but i gotta say huge thanks to the gov for supporting it and that opportunity because yeah we just you know any any opportunity that to play is great, is great but that one where you're actually playing you know great great music with great people it's excellent yeah, it's all good where do you mm. see see yourself in the next 10 years Gosh, um, I think like the realities of being a professional musician are mm-hmm. constantly changing. Um, it's already changed, like in my, I guess, career from high school to now. Like the things that you've got to be consciously working on and and doing just to have a and in like a sustainable income it's and and the skill sets that are becoming more important um like now if you if you can't like record yourself and send tracks to people mm, like you're kind mm. of behind the eight ball a little bit in terms of, of 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 you know it's just another thing that you should be able to do to to make some money um so yeah i don't know i think um, I, I'd obviously still love to be playing, you know, full time if if possible. But like, what that looks like, I'm not sure. Like, hopefully, we can be touring. You know, <laughs> maybe next then, year. Things have gotten back to a point. Maybe next year. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I I think it's just you know having the little girl just puts things into a totally yeah. different perspective um and you know family life now is like such a priority that we're kind of got to relook at everything and and where your career kind of goes is dictated by that which is incredible and you you share it now with with this extra little person so um yeah which is i don't know i i gotta just take it a little bit at a time i think i obviously yeah as i said still want to be playing but like in what capacity (laughs) Who knows? I <laughs> just got to be like, got to stay on top of things and 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 be ready for it to, you know, change. You know, uh, yeah. whenever it needs to change. What do yeah. you hope to have achieved before you lay down the sticks for the last time? Mm. Mm. Gosh, that's a deep question. <laughs> um, I think I. Um. If I can do what my dad has done and be able to provide, you know, uh, like mm. provide for a family by playing music, mm-hmm. playing drums, 
like if I can look back and go like I you know I was able to do that because it's obviously something I love doing and it is what I want to do um forever like if I can do that and and say I was able to you know support a family just by just by kind of doing that and all of that encompasses I think that would be that'd be yeah. you know a pretty special kind of thing to to be able to to do so um but yeah I mean musically of course there's lots of goals as well like I, I want to play with a bunch more people and record and just get better in general and and um and kind of I, I suppose music specific like get to a point where I don't know the the just stop thinking and caring is not, not the right word but like uh there's a lot of like anxiety that happens, you know, in music performance sometimes like you you get as i said before over analytical and over critical of of certain things and certain situations and and um i don't know just if i can get to a point where i can just be confident enough to just play and be happy with that and whatever has happened has happened then you know that would be pretty great as well because <laughs> yeah i mean I, I, it comes from it just comes from a place of mm-hmm. you know wanting to do a good job that's the thing but mm, it's a fine line between that and and getting in your own head about you know certain things so yeah just just become better at um at just accepting what whatever yeah. happens yeah. is going to happen <laughs> no, that's a good answer. Yeah. thank you because we're living in such a weird time um in many ways, like for, for musicians and us and creative people, like I know a lot of friends have gotten, you know, alternate jobs or different work to uh, supplement like the fact that there isn't much like performance opportunities. You know, luckily now there's more coming through, but I think it's just important yeah. to acknowledge that that's okay. You know, like it shouldn't feel anything, you know, any weirdness or any kind of like, um, lack of you know, confidence because of that. Like that's just mm. how it is now um, and it will be for however long and then hopefully when work comes back then we just get back to normal. But, um, yeah, it's it's just um, I think we just got to, you know, drop any kind of like judgment or, you know, criticism of, of people for for what's happening right now and and different people's situations like it's just such a bizarre time so um yeah i think the more like encouraging and supportive we can be of of like the musical community and each other like yeah the better yeah i mean hopefully people will appreciate what we have had in the past a lot more once it does return to normal Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's where maybe the, a lot of the success of that, you know, gig that we do at the Gov is coming from. Like, it's not like we're getting hundreds of people every week, but we're getting a great turnout of people mm. that genuinely enjoy the music. And I think it's because, yeah, we've had such a, a long time of not being able to do that, that now we can. It's like, great, let's do it and let's support it. And and um yeah so that's that's something that i i hope continues it, even after things get back to mm. whatever the new normal is um i hope you know music and live entertainment is still kind of um there's there's a reappreciation of yeah. it for a long time <laughs> the fact that it can be taken away and when it is taken away it's really it's not not cool at all not no. cool <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah 
But and once again, we're very lucky, lucky to be very here lucky in to be in a position. Right? <laughs> yeah, totally. Gosh, totally. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so many parts of the world can't do anything mm. still, you know. Yeah, that's very true. Before we end our chat today, I'm going to ask Ben 20 quick random questions or as many as we can get through in the space of two minutes to close the interview. Now, Ben and the circus crew share a tradition of answering trivia questions during the non-musical sections of the show. So he should be able to do this quite easily, I think. (laughs) Are you ready, Ben? (laughs) I'll give my best shot. Your time starts now. What was the first concert that you went to? Oh, I think it would have been a, a gig of dads, maybe a jazz trio at like the okay. Fox and Hounds or something According like that. According to Peter Combe, <laughs> yeah. what should you wash your face with? <laughs> yes. oh, orange Name juice, the first of album that you purchased. Of course. Oh. I think it was the Harry Connick Jr. How far away from the toilet does a toothbrush have to be to ensure airborne particles will not reach it? It is a decent amount, Um, and that is difficult to do when you live in hotel rooms. But I think it's like four metres, isn't it? Something like that. Name a band you wish you'd seen perform live. Oh, uh, wow. I wish that I saw – I wish that I saw um, – that I've seen – well, I saw Lettuce live. I, Which yeah, animated love series was mm. better, Digimon or Pokemon? Oh, I was Pokemon. Mm. Name Definitely. your favourite Cheese TV. Broadway music. <laughs> oh, the one that had the most impression on me was probably if Wicked. If you could trade places suppose, with anyone yeah. for a day, who would it be? I would say Vinnie Colaiuta because I think he gets to play Who with some incredible people. Who was the better drummer, Buddy <laughs> Rich or Elvin Jones? Oh, goodness. It's caused some, some controversy here. Uh, I listen to a lot of Buddy Rich, so I feel like okay. he's had more of an influence on my playing. Name your favourite song. Legend. Um, what is hip? <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness! It does. That was that went really quick. quick. Thank you once again, Ben, Far for joining out. me for the Bandit About podcast today. You have been great to chat to, and I hope that everyone who listens finds this as enjoyable as I did. All of the information and links relating to today's interview can be found in the description field. And please feel free to message me if you have any ideas or requests for future Bandit About podcast guests. And make sure that you subscribe, follow, rate, comment or leave a voice message to help this series to reach more people who enjoy music interview podcasts. Thank you for listening, everybody, and thank you for joining me, Ben. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure, my absolute pleasure to have you along. And that's it from me, Di, Bandit (laughs) About, proudly supporting live music.
Thank you.